You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us now open the Word of God since we find it in the Gospel according to Luke chapter 1. And we'll read it verses 1 through to 25. The sermon will be based on the verses 5 through to 25. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, It seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, 
which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there had been a long time of silence without any new prophet of God speaking to the people. Some 400 years have passed since Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, spoke about the coming of the day of the Lord and the promise that the Lord would send his messenger to prepare the way before him. As we read in Malachi 3, verse 1, that the, suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. The last words of the Old Testament words, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And then, brothers and sisters, silence. A silent waiting for many centuries until the fullness of time would be there until the time would have fully come, as Paul wrote to the Galatians. And then great things happened. A new beginning was made, a renewed beginning. Not just a human prophet appeared to, be, uh, appeared to the people, but a heavenly messenger announced the arrival of a new era, the New Testament or Covenant Fulfilling the old, fulfilling the promises made to God's people so long ago. Now Luke made sure that he would have uh, written, and as he called it, an orderly account. As he said in his introduction. And today we will pay attention as to how it all began. When God intervened and the greatest redemptive events in the history of the world began to unfold, changing the course of the world forevermore. I preach to you the beginning of the fullness of time. And we'll pay attention to God's chosen means and ways, secondly, to the proclamation from heaven, and third, the reception on earth. 
So first of all, we'll pay attention to God's chosen means and ways. Now, there are those who treat the New Testament as a whole new separate book, which makes the previous revelation of the Old Testament superfluous. It would be, so to say, a new beginning, making the old obsolete. But God's history of redemption throughout the ages is one. Also, as recorded from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The Holy Scriptures, Old and New Testament, are a unity, even if the coming of Jesus Christ into the world is such a great highlight that it seems to be a new beginning. But there is a divine continuity through it all. God builds on what he has done before, and he uses the means and the ways chosen by him, as we also see in our text. Yet it is remarkable to see the time, means, and ways chosen by the Lord. In many ways, uh, we would think of them to be the most unlikely and unfit. God's fullness of time is certainly not what we would have considered the fullness of time. It was in the time of Herod, king of Judea. Israel is occupied territory. Fornus, Roman Empire, ruled there. That's a time when you don't expect great things to happen in Judea. They were at a political low time. We would have thought that, say, a time of prosperity and well-being, like in the days of David and Solomon, that would have been a very good time. Spiritually, now it was also a low time. Ritualism, legalism were dominant among God's people. The people were oppressed by the burdens laid upon them by their spiritual leaders, the scribes and teachers of the law. At the same time, there was also much liberalism. Many of the Sanhedrin, that was the Jewish leadership, leadership in those days, many of those no longer believed in the supernatural world didn't believe in angels and spirits anymore, let alone resurrection from the dead. Oh yes, there were faithful people as well. There were people who were truly upright and godly, not just in the sight of people, but in the sight of God. But they appeared to be more and more the exception to the rule and they were even mentioned by name. There's a Zechariah, his wife Elizabeth. There's a Mary, and a Joseph, Simeon, and an Anna. But they stood out because of their uprightness. 
But they were a small minority. And yet it pleases God to make a new beginning through these kind of people. People who just faithfully continue in the service of the Lord. People who did not give in to the trends of their days. People who didn't make the news. People who just quietly lived a life pleasing to the Lord. Keeping His commandments. Expecting things from the Lord and hoping for his salvation, even in these troubled days. Thus, Satur, Zechariah, and Elizabeth, both descendants from Aaron, the high priest. In the days of David, the priesthood was divided into 24 divisions who served in the temple by rotation. And one of them was the division of Abijah. And Zechariah was one of them. As well as his wife Elizabeth, they were a wonderful, devoted couple, as we read in verse 6. Imagine God saying this about you. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Now, that does not mean that they were without sin. The same story also tells us about Zechariah's doubt and unbelief. Yet they were upright in the sight of God. They did their utmost to live the Lord's way, seeking to keep all His commandments and regulations. They took it very seriously, being children of God and also being in the line of the priesthood. But there was a sadness in their lives as well. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And in the meantime, they were both considered seniors, past the age of getting children. Now, being childless as a couple is always painful, But in those days, it also meant being excluded from bringing forth children for the nation from whom the Messiah would be born. Also, the Bible is clear that receiving children is also a special blessing from the Lord. Well, let me read once or, or it so happened that Zechariah's division was on duty, which would happen only twice a year. And yet, this coincidence was the exact timing of the Lord. The Lord, whom Zechariah served, wanted him, Zechariah, on duty exactly at that time, for he was God's chosen one, for that special message, an event that was going to take place. He was serving as priest before God, this upright man. Yes, 
The faithful priests were very much aware that they were serving before God, as it says. Serving before God. They weren't just doing their daily job. They weren't there to serve the people in the first place. How awesome to be allowed to serve before God in his temple. And this time it was even more more amazing and special because from that whole division that was on duty, Zechariah was chosen for the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity decided by Lot to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn the incense on the altar there. What was that? Well, this whole ceremony happened twice a day, nine in the morning and three in the afternoon. The worshippers would be praying in the court of the temple outside with the other priests. But one priest would be allowed to go into the holy place, very close to the most holy place where God dwelt. And he would burn the incense on the altar while praying to God for mercy, for peace, for salvation. And the rising smoke from the incense was symbolic for the prayers of God's people rising up to the throne of God. So a very special day for Zechariah indeed. Sure, it may have become routine for the people. After all, this happened twice a day. Just like for us today, going to church twice can become routine. As well as the whole liturgy that we have that takes place. People may even have become very careless about it. But yet God chooses, uh, chooses the means and the ways that he himself has prescribed to his people and he fills, fills them with a deep and new meaning. The place of the temple, the times of the incense offerings, the prayers of his people, Symbolized in that sweet incense smoke rising upward. The priest standing there in service of his gods. Offering the prayers of his people. The Lord honors all these things and thereby also shows that the new thing he is doing is totally in line with in continuity with all that he has done throughout all these ages. They are all things that were being fulfilled, as Luke says in his introduction. It is exactly at that time, in that place, when people are praying with the upright priest doing his work, that an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah standing at the right side of the altar of incense. For this great, this new beginning, a heavenly messenger, an angel, Gabriel, must come down 
and proclaim these good tidings on behalf of his sender in heaven. He comes from the heavenly temple and enters the earthly temple, which was made after the heavenly model, and where everything spoke of God's presence amidst his people. Those are God's chosen means and ways. Now, it shocks God's people when they are suddenly made aware how close God is, how holy this place of worship is. When an angel of the Lord suddenly appears and confronts us that heaven is so close, God's holiness, while there's so much unholy in us, we forget when we are in God's house how close God is. And when one of his heavenly servants appears, we would be like Zechariah. We would be just startled and gripped with fear. It all only confirms that what is going to happen is indeed God's doing and his alone. It is not through man's effort, not through man's zeal, not through our uprightness, but only by God's merciful intervention in our lives. And then we may listen to the proclamation from heaven as the angel speaks. First he puts Zechariah at ease. He did not come for judgment. He did not come for punishment because of a sinful, unholy man being in the presence of the most holy God. But he's a messenger of peace and good tidings. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. It is like when we come into God's presence in worship, and the first thing that we may hear is, Grace and peace unto you. The angel even knows him by his personal name. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Imagine, brothers and sisters, the angels even knowing you by your name. How reassuring, how personal. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. Your prayer has been heard. Which prayer? Now some take it to be their prayers for a child in their earlier years, seeing that it is immediately followed by your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Others take it to refer to the prayer said at the incense altar on behalf of the praying people in the temple court, asking God for peace and for deliverance as the smoke of the incense reached upwards. Well, I don't think we need to make a choice here, for both prayers have been heard. Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer for a child in a most miraculous, unexpected way. 
not only because of their old age, but also in what very special position this child may have in the history of redemption, as is explained by the angel in the words that follow. You are to call him John. That is, God is merciful, is merciful, a beautiful name. In granting them the joy of still receiving a child in old age. But it is much more than that in fulfilling his promises in making a new beginning in the coming Messiah of, of whom John is allowed to be the announcer, the heralds, blowing the trumpet for the coming king. See, this is a blessing which goes far beyond the joy and happiness of a childless couple receiving a miracle child. As we may hear in the further words of the heavenly proclamation, yes, it goes far beyond what this John would ever see and accomplish. Zechariah afterwards understood that very well, as we know from the song that he sang after the birth of John. That wasn't just about getting a baby. It was about the salvation of Israel. That's what the angel said. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth, or better translation, even from the mother's womb. This will be a very special child, God's chosen instrument, and therefore filled with the Holy Spirit from the mother's womb. Yes, brothers and sisters, from the womb before birth, already filled with the spirits. Yes, we know, even before birth, meeting, uh, he leaped for joy when Mary, pregnant with Jesus, came into their home. He should never take wine or strong drink, so that it will be clear that his inspiration and his special joy-giving nature is not from other means, but only because God has prepared him to be a special servant. And he should not let his mind and his heart be influenced by any other substances because he's filled with the Holy Spirit in a special way. He's like the Old Testament's Nazarene, a person set aside with a special calling. Now the Lord grants these old parents the joy of having a God-fearing child who wants to serve the Lord with all his heart from early childhood on. A child... And a young man who is great in the sight of the Lord. In the sight of the Lord, that's, after all, what counts. Not so much what, what you are in the sight of other people, but how does God see you? But as the angel said, the joy he would bring goes far beyond the home, the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth, for as long as they were still allowed to enjoy it, being old already when John was born, 
many will rejoice at his birth. Sure, friends and neighbors when he was born, but how many more later on will praise the day that this special child was born, who marked the beginning of a new era, who proclaimed the arrival of the King of Kings, the Messiah. And it would be through John that many of the people of Israel will be brought back to the Lord their God. She said, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and their disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. While we hear the prophecies of Malachi in in the last closing chapters of the Old Testament, this is the great prophet to come, the bridge between the Old and the New Testaments. One of the greatest prophets in Israel was Elijah, who spoke powerfully to the people, who performed miracles. He brought about a great change in the people of Israel, in a time of very serious apostasy and idolatry. Well, John will be in the spirit and power of Elijah, an outstanding great prophet, directing the people of the Lord and preparing them for his arrival. There would be a great revival. Forefathers had turned their hearts away from their children because of their sinful, unfaithful lives. Didn't think of their children and grandchildren. They will be reconciled again because the children will return to the faith of their fathers, confessing their sin, looking for the Lord's salvation. The disobedient will turn to the wisdom of the righteous, and so they will be prepared to meet the Lord. Well, that is the task that God assigned to John, later known as John the Baptist, so that the people would be prepared to meet the Lord as he has become flesh and dwelt in their midst. It is the beginning of the fullness of time when God sent his Son into the world to reconcile many unto himself. The fact that we celebrate at Christmas. Zechariah listened to this heavenly proclamation. He was stunned. But he was shaking his head. This can't be true. I don't believe it. He cannot get his mind around it. And therefore, it cannot be true. That's how many people think today too. You can't get your mind around it, then it can't be true. I need more than just this message, this word. It's a very typical human, but sinful reaction. When God works out his great plan of delivering his people from all their sins, he does not find a willing, cooperating people. But he works out his divine plan in spite of resistance and unbelief from our sides. That cannot stop the Lord's plan. 
That's the last point that we'll talk about, the reception here on earth. See, Zechariah cannot just accept it. Cannot just receive this joyful message in thankfulness. But he asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. He is stuck on that very first thing mentioned, your wife will bear you a son. Never mind all the rest that the angel said. But this is impossible, we are too old. Biologically, it is impossible. We've prayed for it in the past, but have given up in the meantime, for in our eyes it is no longer possible. How can I be sure? Just a message, just a word is not enough. Give me a sign or something. And that the Lord had done this before, this this miracle, for example, with the Sarai, with the Hannah, the mother of Samson, that is not sufficient. And that again, as well as then, an angel brings the message, that is not even enough either. And we can hear the rebuke in the answer of the angel Gabriel when he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. How more sure can it be? I come from heaven. I stand in the service of God, the same God whom you are serving as priest here on earth. You pray for this good news and you receive a direct answer from above and that is not enough. Well, you will have a sign, but a sign which will also be a punishment because you did not believe my words which will come true at the proper time. You will be silenced and not able to speak until the day that this happens. Instantly, Zechariah became mute, as well as deaf, since he only understood sign language afterwards, we uh, hear. He could no longer ask questions either. At the same time, there was an element of mercy in it, since he did not have to explain what happened to others either. God set him aside as priest, to stress the greatness of the priest to come. Now, in the meantime, the people outside had finished their prayers. They were waiting for priest Zechariah to reappear and then to pronounce the blessing upon them, as usual. But it took much longer than usual. Something must have happened to Zechariah. When he finally did come, he couldn't speak to them. He could only gesture with his hands and face from which his people concluded that he must have seen a vision while he was in the temple. Puzzling matters. And they would have to wait until the mystery would unfold. 
Zechariah finished his term. He went home, and the great miracle happens. Elizabeth did become pregnant, but for five months she remained in seclusion. It remained between her and Zechariah, but her heart was overflowing with thankfulness. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor, taken away my disgrace among the people. She would become a mother and would also contribute to the coming of the Messiah. She accepts it in faith, even though in her faith she is short-sighted, and at this point only mentions what it means to her to have a child before she dies. She only thinks of her legacy amongst the people. Her shame is gone. Nevertheless, it is very clear to her that this is the Lord's special doing, and all must know this. The Lord is making a new beginning. Fullness of time has come. And she is allowed to contribute her part in due time, giving life to a son whom God would use in a very special way to prepare his people for the coming Messiah, the seed of the woman. It is all God's doing. That is very clear. But yet it pleases him to work through his people through those who in all faithfulness and uprightness serve him to the best of their ability. People who, in spite of their shortcomings, continue to seek the Lord and expect salvation from him alone. Even when trend all around them is that of unfaithfulness, disobedience, liberalism, God carries out his plan of redemption through the institutions, ways, and means that he has instituted even when many despise them. God honored them. May God also find you willing instruments and faithful servants. His church here on earth and trusted with the preaching of the gospel here and elsewhere, giving them the sacraments as signs, may we be found faithful as he prepares this world for the second coming of his Son. Do not stand in the way. Continue steadfast in your prayers. Expect the deliverance of the Lord also in your life. God also today still works through these little things in this life, small in the eyes of the world. He also works through simple folks who live upright in the eyes of the Lord. Full redemption will come, for every word that he has spoken will be fulfilled. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.